I'll probably say it wrong here, but the marriage and family month. Uh, and this is the last week? All right, the last week. So we got it. Um, and Jess will uh, introduce just the different things that uh, we'll talk about today. But um, she asked me to pray to get us started, so I'll pray. God, thank you for this time we get to come and hang out together as a church body. God, brothers and sisters in you, and I just pray today that uh, just the things that we'll share would just be um, gripping. God, I just pray that you would just grip us with your heart today. I pray that uh, and just ask for clarity. I ask for boldness. And um, I just thank you for this awesome group of believers uh, that are in our midst today. God, I just pray that you would bless them from the top of their heads to the bottoms of the feet, and that you would reveal yourself to us today and throughout the week. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you share? Okay. Um, today we're going to talk about uh, faith formation and um, in youth and young adults and how we can help foster a faith that transforms um, before we get into it, um, I wanted to just hit on two points. Um, first, we acknowledge that faith comes from God, and it's not all up to us. So I don't want you to leave feeling like, oh, all the pressure's on us to do this. Um, however, we do, um, God does charge us with the responsibility of caring um, for our kids. And there are things that we can do to make a difference um, in the kids' lives. And um, number two, um, we want you to feel both affirmed and challenged today. So, so I don't want this to come across as a critique on our body, um, but some of the things that we're going to talk about are kind of um, looking at maybe areas where the church in general, the American church, has failed our youth. Um, so I don't want you to leave feeling like we're here criticizing our body because um, actually, I felt affirmed when I was reading a lot of this stuff. Um, so I just want to, I want you to feel affirmed, but also to feel challenged and to uh, reflect on the areas that we can continue to grow um, in ways to help our youth grow. Um, and when I talk about our youth, this is one more thing to add. Um, you don't just have to be a parent. Um, when we, this is for everybody here. This is for all of us. We all have the responsibility in shaping youth and young people um, in our church. So I want to first start by introducing some of the resources. A few years ago, um, I had the opportunity to hear um, Dr. Kenda Creasy-Dean speak um, at a conference. She's a youth minister, um, also a researcher and professor. Um, she wrote the book called Almost Christian, uh, What the Faith of Our Teenagers is Telling the American Church. And they did a research um, project. It was with the National Study of Youth and Religion. So I'm going to talk a lot about the findings of that this morning. Um, and then there's an, a, a book that went along with that called Raising Teens in an Almost Christian World, A Parent's Guide um, by Dietrich Kirk. This is much shorter. It's got really great recommendations and ideas. Um, and I really recommend it if you're a parent. Um, Another book that I used was called Growing Young, and this was um, talking about churches and how um, a lot of the young people are leaving churches. 
but um, we don't, that isn't the case here, which is awesome. And it um, was a study by Fuller Youth Institute, um, and that book's written by Kara Powell, Jake Mulder, and Brad Griffin. I don't have it here because I just have an electronic copy, but it's also a great book to read and a resource. Um, so first I want to go over the study, the results um, of the National Study of Youth and Religion findings. So um, they did this study several years ago, and it went over a period of years, and the purpose of it was to, co to collect data on the big picture, like where are our youth today when it comes to religion. Um, they also did it to collect qualitative data, like they interviewed lots and lots of youth and they wanted to understand um, what the youth's experiences were like and they wanted to kind of interpret theories um, about the influences of the youth and also to track changes over time. So like when they were 13 versus when they were 18 and they kind of followed them. Um, so the first finding was that most American teenagers have a positive view of religion but believe that religion is not important to daily life. So the good news was that um, many of the youth were not hostile towards religion. Um, and so that was some of the researchers thought that there would be some more hostility towards religion, but that wasn't the case. Um, however, most either viewed God as a butler there to answer requests, or as a therapist, one who listens non-judgmentally and helps them feel good about themselves. Um, they did not see him as being involved in their daily lives. And I'm just talking about the majority of the youth um, that they were interviewing. The other thing, uh, number two, the study found that most teens mirror their parents' religious faith. So when it comes to faith, parents matter the most. And that's something I think we kind of all know, or we feel like that, but the research also confirms it. Um, Kenda Christie-Dean, um, one of her quotes that I loved is, the best way for youth to become more serious about religious faith is for parents to become more serious about theirs. And that really hit me as a parent. Um, and this is not to say that parents determine their children's spiritual destinies. The Bible has examples of apostate parents with spiritual children and vice versa. But, we do, but as parents, you do have a major, major impact on faith formation. So number three, um, the study found that most American teens lack the ability to speak articulately about their faith. So the study found that even many young people who identified themselves as Christians and came from Christian homes, they did not have a readily available vocabulary to use when they were articulating their faith. Um, they also had a hard time identifying ways that they practiced their faith on a daily basis. Uh, number four, a minority of teens, but a significant minority, say that faith makes a significant difference in their lives. So 40% of all young people believe religion to be important enough to practice it regularly. So there, were, it, there definitely was a significant number of um, teens who, who did practice it. Um, and if you want to go to the next slide, this kind of breaks it down a little bit farther. Um, they, during the interviews, they really kind of dissected it, and they made up four categories. 
um, from the study. So the devoted was the 8%. So they called them highly devoted. That means they felt close to God. They participated in a faith community regularly. Um, they read scripture and prayed frequently. And they could articulate their faith. 27% uh, attend church um, pretty regularly. They weren't as articulate about their faith. Um, they couldn't express a closeness to God as much. 17% um, were the sporadic, kind of here and there, going to church. And then the 12% were the disengaged. And then the rest of the percent were the ones that really didn't um, attend church or have a religious background. All right, so number five. Um, this is the final finding. They found that um, many teens subscribe to a watered-down belief system referred to as moralistic therapeutic deism. Um, I'm going to call that MTD from, from here on out because I don't want to keep saying it. It's a long term. Um, and if you go to the next slide, um, a lot these were kind of like the guiding beliefs overall of what these uh, young people were believing. So first, a God exists who created and watches over the world. So some of this, you know, it's kind of like um, Christianity, but a different version of it. Um, God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other. Um, the third one, the main goal in life is to be happy and to feel good about myself. God is not involved in my life except when I need God to resolve a problem. And the last one, um, good people go to heaven when they die. So some of this um, doesn't sound all that bad, but I'm sure there's some glaring things that probably stand out to you as well. So what's wrong with MTD? Um, first of all, MTD focuses on self. It's, there's not much about God. Um, and this is kind of a way of belief, so almost like a theology. Um, Kenda Creasy-Dean, um, she talks a lot in her book um, about how the church is responsible. Like, I hear a lot of times when I talk to people, they'll, like, refer to, oh, those millennials, or, oh, this Generation Z, I can't believe how they are, their behavior, and whatever. And, um, you know, there's a lot of negative talk um, about about these generations, um, but really we should be looking at ourselves as the church and like what have we done, what's our part, like where the reflection of our kids' faith, you know, or the, the, their faith is a reflection on our faith, I believe, and what we have passed down. And again, I'm not saying you specifically, just the church in general. Um, so anyway, uh, we need to not blame the youth or look down on them or be critical of them. Uh, we need to examine ourselves. So MTD is a culture of niceness, and Dr. Christy Dean calls it uh, benign whateverism. It's kind of a funny word. Like, yeah, I love that word, but. Um, so it focuses on being nice. So how has the church promoted a culture of niceness? Nice is safe. God is friendly and predictable. Offering little and asking little. 
MTD doesn't ask people to lay down their lives for one another because niceness doesn't go that far. But love does. Imitating Christ makes people lay down their wallets, their reputations, and their lives for the sake of others. This is the gospel. And so we need to be serious about our faith and look at our own selves and what message we're sending um, to our youth. Um, and in order to do this, we have to develop our own faith. All right. So um, those were the five findings. Um, next, we're going to talk about the characteristics of the youth that had the transforming faith. So the next part of the study, um, they really looked closely at those highly devoted youth. Okay, and they were looking at what are the characteristics, what did they have in common, um, and so we're going to talk about those things next. Um, I'm going to kind of talk about the slide a little bit, and then Andy's going to come in, and we're going to kind of go back and forth now. All right, so first one, they have received a personal and powerful God story that imparts identity. So they had a creed to believe. Um, and actually, if you, um, when, I was, when I heard Dr. Uh, Creasy Dean speak, she had us look at the uh, Apostles' Creed and then look at the guiding beliefs of moralistic therapeutic deism and compare them. And it's like, whoa, these are a lot different. Um, so anyway, if you get a chance to do that, think about it. Um, so the ki these kids, the highly devoted, they could talk about a personal relationship with Jesus. They knew what they believed. They believed God was involved in their lives on a daily basis. And we can foster this through teachings and conversations and through the power of testimony. And um, as I was reading through this again um, to prepare, it was like, I was reminded of how powerful that testimony is with your kids on a daily basis. Like, sometimes I'll recognize in my mind, like, something God did for us, but I don't speak it out to my kids. And so I just want to encourage you, like, speak it out. Like, when God does something, and there's been times where Andy and I will, like, be sharing a testimony in youth group, and then we'll get home, and, and Jaden will be like, I never heard that story. And I'm like, my word, I haven't shared all this stuff that God's done, like, Anyway, I just encourage you to, like, share, share what God's done in your life. You know, speak about it. Um, talk about it. So. And, and just, uh, just preparing for, for here, like, um, throughout the week and the weeks before, I just kept thinking about um, the, one, the one story and the, the stuff in the Bible that came to me, kept coming to me, was, like, um, was... Uh, Moses and Joshua's relationship. Um, you know, so many times we think about you know Joshua being one of the spies that that went and you know debunked what everyone was saying that you know everyone was saying, hey, you can't go into the promised land. There's there's yeah, it really looks really good and and really nice to live there, uh, but there's you know giants that are there. There's no way that we can. And he's the one debunking, saying, hey. We can't, we can't, but like a lot of times we forget that um, and just the things, you know, reading up on this and doing some research that probably Joshua was with um, 
Moses all through the exile and, and the exodus. Uh, you know, he was Moses's, you know, one of Moses' right-hand man. So he was spending time with Moses all the time. He was able to see he was being discipled by, um, by Moses. He was getting to see, you know, Moses' uh, weaknesses and his strengths, his mistakes and his sins. He was being able to, to, to see all that stuff. Um, and so since he was there, he was able to see all those cool things happen throughout the Exodus, all the times that, you know, God provided, like God was providing God's stories, you know, for Joshua to help him in the future. And so like when you think of God's story, can you, can you think of like in your own personal life, what was your first God's story? You know what I mean? Kind of go nostalgic here a little bit. Like when you, when you first were like, you know what? What gave me a creed to believe? You know, what was that thing that you personally that like really, really makes you think of like, man, God, you're pretty cool. You know what I mean? You're speaking to me right now. You're the one, you know, that you're the one that like, you know, knows everything. You're omnipresent and all that kind of stuff. But right now, right at this very minute, you either provided or you're speaking to me. I remember for me specifically, probably the very first time that God spoke to me like a, a God story, I was probably you guys' age, well, in junior high school, only a couple years ago. And, and like, I went on a retreat, and this is why I really like retreats. Even though you don't get a lot of sleep and stuff, retreats are really cool. But I remember for no specific reason, it was during and after a worship time that God just hit me. It meant his Holy Spirit came and just, like, powed on me. And, like, I remember just being in my seat and just crying. And it wasn't one of those, like, you get, like, you know, the, the single tissue and you dab the eye cheek, you know, like here or there. This was like a full out, I can't breathe cry. I'm snotting everywhere and tears are going everywhere. Like, his presence was on me. And, like, this is one of the things, like, that God story that, like, you know, kind of makes you kind of go back and think, you know, this is, this is why I believe, that kind of deal. Um, and then I remember, too, like, we were getting ready to leave, and I'm still there bawling and crying and snotting everywhere. And people are like, what is wrong with this guy? So it's okay to be snotty sometimes. All right, so number two characteristic, um, they found that they have a significance, that the, the youth have found significance in belonging to a faith community. Um, the Fuller Institute um, did, I mentioned it a little bit, but they did some research on um, what was important to young people in a church and what was drawing young people into churches. So they looked at churches that were that were growing young, is what they were, they were calling it. And so it was interesting to read the things that were bringing young people, but it was also interesting to read the things that didn't matter. Because so many times I think we think things matter when actually they're, that's not what's drawing the young people. 
Um, I'm not going to go into all of them today, but just off the top of my head, I remember one was like um, a contemporary worship. Like they, everyone thinks, oh, you got to have the big lights, you got to turn the lights off, you got to have the lights going around, and like that's not something that's actually drawing young people. And um, the other thing was like having a big fancy building or having. Um, I mean, those things are great. I'm not saying, like, we shouldn't have built the multi-purpose room. I mean, it's great for ministry. I'm just saying, like, you, that's not what was, like, keeping people or bringing people back. Um, so, and um, what was drawing people, um, one of the things was they called it a keychain leadership, which is actually, like, what's happening here. Like, leaders making leaders and that keychain leadership was something um, also um, warm peer and intergenerational friendships were um, bringing people were keeping young people and helping churches to grow young um, so they want like real relationship um, and also that churches were missional that they, and that they could speak about their mission um, and that's that's awesome, and um, it was just really, for me, was affirming in what we're doing here. Um, so just to encourage you. So, like, and I'm going to keep referring to Joshua and Moses. So, like, uh, in Exodus 17, in Exodus 17, um, Moses tells Joshua to go and lead his people into war. All right, he finally gave him that, you know, that sense of belonging. All that training, all that building up, all that time spent with Moses, who has, has been leading the people here and there, um, he finally gave Joshua that sense of that significance and belonging to something. Go lead my people. Go and do it. All the training, all the prayer time that we spent together, all the things that you've seen me messed up and do, all the things that you've seen you know, God provide and everything like that, all this training, how to serve, how to believe, all that kind of stuff, he's now putting it, starting to put it into action. And he says in Exodus 17, go lead the people into battle. Go. He's not going to, you know, Moses just didn't let some random Joe Schmo who was walking down this street of, their tents and stuff, hey, go lead my people, you know what I mean? This was somebody who was training up and then being, you know, sent forth. So finally, you know, Joshua is getting this sense of, of um, significance and belonging to something. And like, we were talking about that just like when we were preparing for this, how our parents emulated that, you know, in our lives, like, her, her parents just being involved in the church, you know, whether it be youth leaders or what do they call it? Like they were home group leaders, home group and leaders, yeah. elders, elders, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then even my parents, not necessarily in the church, other like they did the choir and stuff, but like being involved in the community, whether it be, um, you know, uh, like the PTO or like present being in the booster club and all that kind of stuff. They were just, they had that, you know, just that sense of um, community and that's something that they just passing down, being involved. Okay, and that actually leads into the next one. 
Um, number three, um, they have a sense of divine purpose for their lives, a call to live out. And so they saw that these youth believed that God had a call for their lives, um, and they were missional. Um, Jesus was and is missional, and the youth need to be included, um, and we need them. We need them to be included in the mission of the church because um, they can reach people that we can't reach. They, can, um, they have a call in their lives, and, and we need them to be drawn into the mission. Um, and one of the things that really stuck out to me, too, is like a lot of times in um, the American church, you think like, oh, the youth are separate. They're like this little separate group, and they go on a missions trip, and that's their mission. Um, but mission is a lot more than just a one-time mission trip. Um, it's a way of life. And Jesus didn't just like take these little trips. Like that was his whole life. His whole life was a mission. Um, and so trying to um, form that in the youth, and we can do that by modeling ourselves too. Like, what's your mission? What's your call? Like, are you living it out? And I, and I think a lot of you, I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to like criticize again, like you are doing that. And like the youth see you. Like I know Bethany just posted something on Facebook and it made me think about this. Like Barb and Willie were practicing worship and they were including um, they include youth, and Kate does the same. Like, you guys, there were youth up here, and you are doing that. Like, you're living out your mission, but you're also allowing the youth to come alongside you, and they're watching you. So for everybody that's doing that, like, thank you so much, because it really does make a huge impact on them, um, allowing them to, to be missional. Um, and we want to see that more. Like, we want to see the youth feeling that, mission, that call, that sense of mission, not just in the church, but, like, when they go to school. Because I think that's the real challenge, when they're placed out in the world, feeling that call to mission. Um, yeah. That was good. You should keep going on with that. As there's, no, seriously, there seemed to like be something like stirring that, I don't know, did you want to expand? That was good. Good job. Uh, I mean, ultimately, isn't that what Moses did with Joshua? Hey, I need 12. I need my very best 12 to go out and check out this land. All the training and all that kind of stuff was for this very purpose. Yes, it was to then to lead the Israelite people, but it was also for him to for Joshua to be the one to come back and and say, Yeah, we can take the land. To live out that calling. That's that that's what we, that's what his calling was to, to stand out to be a leader. You can't hide from your calling. I just wanna let you guys know that. You can run, but you can't hide. Okay? I'm serious. When, when we left the church that we were at previously, uh, it was just time to go. 
And we were, what do you call that, elders in the church. We led the youth group. But it was just time to, to go. And when we came here and became members and stuff like that, we were content of laying that stuff down. That we understood if that's something that God wanted us to be a part of, that, you know, it'll come. But, like, in our mindset, we didn't, we felt like that was, like, in the future. Like, a long time from now. Like, not even now, but, like, in a couple more years. And I remember talking to Conrad and said, he said, if, if that's your calling, God's not going to take that away from you. And that was just something that, that hit home. You can run, but you can't hide. God, your calling is your calling, and that's what God's preparing for you even now. All of us, really. All right. And the final um, characteristic that um, they noticed in these um, devoted youth were that they have faith and hope for their future. Um, so when they were talking with the, um, the youth that had more of the moralistic, therapeutic, deism theology, they noticed that they weren't very hopeful. Um, when things went wrong, it was kind of like they lost all hope and they were devastated. But the devoted had hope and they, they had a trust that God had their lives in his hands um, even when things were going wrong. So they had that assurance and, um, yeah, they had a hope for the future. So I guess, you want to go to the next slide? Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know. I guess the next slide is like the future. So. All right, here's a picture of the youth from our hike. Um, and I actually made it to the top to take the picture. The hike was not a stroll in the park, thanks to Ethan and Katura. Um, no, it was a lot of fun. But, um, but Ethan did say, we're just going to go on a hike like a walk. It wasn't like... He's hiding back there. Climb. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, so once we got to the top of the very steep hill, um, that was our picture. Um, but... In closing, we just really wanted um, to challenge you to consider um, how God might be calling you to help in forming the faith of our youth. And maybe you're a parent, and maybe you heard something today that you know kind of spurred on an idea. Um, so maybe it's through your parenting. Uh, maybe it's in including youth in your ministry. Uh, maybe it's sharing your testimony. Um, maybe it's coming. We, we would love to have speakers. If you have something you'd like to share with the youth, we welcome that. Um, maybe it's joining with us. We definitely could use um, some more people to come and help mentor, um, help with teaching. Um, also, maybe it's to pray for the youth and remember them in your prayers if, you're, if that's something that, that you're gifted in, if you're an intercessor. Um, so, just wanted to challenge you with that. We're super, super excited to just be here in amongst the youth. It's a special group that, that we have. Um, you know, there's all kinds of personalities. There's, you know, your quiet ones. There's your talkative ones. Uh, 
there's your athletic ones, there's your quizzers, there's like, it's, it's, a, it's a really cool, diverse group. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's just really fun to be, a, and, I'm, and I get super excited when I think about like the future. Um, just, to, just to share a cool testimony, um, and uh, like we would like to do something fun every month. Like, if, not that youth group's fun. I mean, youth group's always fun, right? Uh, but like a special event. And so, in around Thanksgiving time in November, we had a friends giving. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, it's where you have like a kind of like a Thanksgiving dinner, and um, you just invite your friends. And we. A lot of these guys invited their friends. We invited friends from Cornerstone, and we didn't really we didn't really seem too confident like we were going to have a big group because when we asked for everyone to respond, we only got like 12, 12 kids were going to show up. So we're like, huh, I don't know if this was like a dud or what's going to go on with this event, but like, um, yeah, just twelve. We we're going to have a fun time regardless if it was twelve or two or whatever. Uh, but all of a sudden, people just kept coming in the door and coming and coming, whether it be, you know, kids from our youth group and bringing their friends. Cornerstone came. So, like, we prepped for ha to have, like, all this, like, pretty much enough food for 12 or 20. We ended up having almost 40 kids there. And, you know, it was super cool. We had plenty of food. They were content and satisfied, like in the feeding of the 5,000. You know, God multiplied that food. Um, but it was super cool, and it, and it like really gave us a hunger for what could be. You know, Bethany is up here, and she's saying, like, you know, we have 51-ish, 51 and a half uh, kids in the um, coming up. And so that gets me super excited for the youth group. It's going to be a lot of fun. And like Jess said, we need your help. For these kids to be discipled and to go into their calling, we need your help. And, yeah, go ahead. Well, and this is also part of the thing that's on our heart mm -hmm. as far as being missional. Um, like, we want our youth to be missional, um, but we'd also like to see, like, we, we want to be a place where we're welcoming these kids in the community um, who want to come and who want to be at church and maybe who don't have those parents or those people in their lives. Um, like, we were talking with, well, Lori um, Shepler from Cornerstone, and she said, like, there's kids that hang out here all the time, like, out in the park, and, um, and you know, we're right here. Like, we can... We could, you know, we want to be missional. We want this to be a place where, you know, kids feel welcomed and loved and cared for and that they can, you know, experience a God story, that they can have the, uh, experience the presence of God and feel loved. And so um, not only is that on our heart, but we also want that to be on the hearts of the youth and we want them to take ownership of, of that kind of mission. So... So that's one of the things that we, you know, we're trying not to put too many plugs in here for the youth group. Uh, but, you know, that's one of the things that we have on our hearts is to be, to take, you know, it quarterly into the streets 
to, to, to reach out to those that, that need reached out. I mean, how cool would it be to jump in a van before church, go to a bunch of different places, pick up kids and bring them here? I mean, this church, please hear me out. And I believe this is from the Lord. That this church isn't in the middle of this town for no reason. So I get super excited when I um, think about, like our youth, and what could be here in this e in the town. God's going to do something. I'm super excited. And um, I believe we have the tools to be able to uh, to do that. Cool. We done? Mm -hmm. All right. Andy and Jess and what you brought to us this morning and just add a couple of things to it. Um, this morning we began membership and baptism instruction and so if you are still interested there would be one more week for you to jump in. We're meeting on Sunday mornings at nine o'clock um, in the conference room but after next Sunday the door will the door of the fold will be closed because um, you will have missed too much and so I will be glad to extend it till next week. But I th what, what is so wonderful is to see that throughout the congregation, from what I hear from Bethany, developing this, this sense that our children need to see themselves in God's story. And Bethany is working at writing a curriculum that helps them to identify where they are in God's story. The youth group and Jess and Andy leading our youth into understanding that, that the Bible is not just something they read and learn about, but understanding that they are part of that story. Um, and this morning, and I just want to echo that by reflecting on what we did this morning a little bit in, in our new member in baptism instruction that I think just says to us, we are, at, at every level, God is forming us as his people as part of his story.